Book Seven, Part One of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alan Brown. The Aeneid by Publius Virgilius Maro, translated by John Dryden, Book Seven. Juno served by a fury, part one. And thou, O matron of immortal fame, here dying, to the shore hast left thy name. Kaijita still the place is called from thee, the nurse of great Aeneas' infancy. Here rest thy bones in rich Hesperia's plains, thy name, tis all a ghost can have, remains now when the prince her funeral rites had paid he ploughed the tyrene seas with sails displayed from land a gentle breeze arose by night serenely shone the stars the moon was bright and the sea trembled with her silver light now near the shelves of circe's shores they run circe the rich the daughter of the sun, a dangerous coast, the goddess wastes her days in joyous songs, the rocks resound her lays. In spinning or the loom she spins the night, and cedar brands supply her father's light. From hence were heard rebellowing to the main the roars of lions that refused the chain, the grunts of bristled boars, the groans of bears and herds of howling wolves that stun the sailors' ears. These from their caverns, at the close of night, fill the sad isle with horror and affright. Darkling they mourn their fate, whom Circe's power, that watched the moon in planetary hour, with words and wicked herbs from humankind had altered, and in brutal shapes confined. Which monsters, lest the Trojans' pious host should bear, or touch upon the enchanted coast, propitious Neptune steered their course by night with rising gales that sped their happy flight. Supplied with these, they skim the sounding shore, and hear the swelling surges vainly roar. Now, when the rosy morn began to rise, and waved her saffron streamer through the skies, when Thetis blushed in purple not her own, and from her face the breathing winds were blown. A sudden silence sate upon the sea, and sweeping oars with struggling urged their way. The Trojan from the main beheld a wood, which thick with shades and a brown horror stood. Betwixt the trees the Tiber took his course, with whirlpools dimpled, and with downward force that drove the sand along, he took his way, and rolled his yellow billows to the sea. About him and above and round the wood the birds that haunt the borders of his flood, that bathed within or basked upon his side, to tuneful songs their narrow throats applied. The captain gives command, the joyful train glide through the gloomy shade, and leave the main. 
now, Erato, thy poet's mind inspire, and fill his soul with thy celestial fire. Relate what Latium was, her ancient kings. Declare the past and state of things, when first the Trojan fleet Ausonia sought, and how the rivals loved, and how they fought. These are my theme, and how the war began, and how concluded by the godlike man. For I shall sing of battles, blood, and rage, which princes and their people did engage, and haughty souls that, moved with mutual hate, in fighting fields pursued and found their fate, that roused the Tyrene realm with loud alarms, and peaceful Italy involved in arms. A larger scene of action is displayed, and, rising hence, a greater work is weighed. Latinus, old and mild, had long possessed the Latin scepter, and his people blessed. His father Faunus, a Laurentian dame, his mother, fair Marica, was her name. But Faunus came from Picus. Picus drew his birth from Saturn, if records be true. Thus King Latinus, in the third degree, had Saturn author of his family. But this old, peaceful prince, as heaven decreed, was blessed with no male issue to succeed. His sons in blooming youth were snatched by fate. One only daughter heired the royal state. Fired with her love and with ambition led, the neighboring princes court her nuptial bed. Among the crowd, but far above the rest, young Turnus to the beauteous maid addressed. Turnus, for high descent and graceful mien, was first, and favored by the Latian queen. With him she strove to join Lavinia's hand, but dire portents the purposed match withstand. Deep in the palace, of long growth, there stood a laurel's trunk, a venerable wood, where rites divine were paid, whose holy hair was kept and cut with superstitious care. This plant Latinus, when his town he walled, then found, and from the tree Laurentum called. And last, in honor of his new abode, he vowed the laurel to the laurel's god. It happened once, a boding prodigy, a swarm of bees that cut the liquid sky, unknown from whence they took their airy flight, upon the topmost branch in clouds alight. There with their clasping feet together clung, and a long cluster from the laurel hung. An ancient augur, prophesied from hence, Behold on Latian shores a foreign prince, From the same parts of heaven his navy stands, To the same parts on earth his army lands, The town he conquers, and the tower commands. Yet more, when fair Lavinia fed the fire before the gods, And stood beside her sire, strange to relate the flames, Involved in smoke of incense from the sacred altar broke, 
caught her disheveled hair and rich attire. Her crown and jewels crackled in the fire. From thence the fuming trail began to spread, and lambent glories danced about her head. This new portent the seer with wonder views, then, pausing, thus his prophecy renews. The nymph, who scatters flaming fires around, shall shine with honor, shall herself be crowned. But, caused by her irrevocable fate, war shall the country waste and change the state. Latinus, frighted with this dire ostent, for counsel to his father Faunus went, and sought the shades, renowned for prophecy, which near Albunia's sulphurous fountain lie. To these the Latian and the Sabine land fly, when distressed, and thence relief demand. The priest on skins of offerings takes his ease, and nightly visions in his slumber sees. A swarm of thin, aerial shapes appears, and fluttering round his temples deafs his ears. These he consults, and the future fates to know, from powers above and from the fiends below. Here, for the gods' advice, Latinus flies, offering a hundred sheep for sacrifice. Their woolly fleeces, as the rites required, he laid beneath him, and to rest retired. No sooner were his eyes in slumber bound, when from above a more than mortal sound invades his ears, and thus the vision spoke. Seek not, my seed, in Latian bands to yoke our fair Lavinia, nor the gods provoke. A foreign sun upon thy shore descends, Whose martial fame from pole to pole extends. His race in arms and arts of peace renowned, Not Latium shall contain, nor Europe bound. Tis theirs, whate'er the sun surveys around. These answers, in the silent night received, The king himself divulged, the land believed. The fame through all the neighboring nations flew, when now the Trojan navy was in view. Beneath a shady tree the hero spread his table on the turf. With cakes of bread and with his chiefs on forest fruits he fed. They sate, and not without the gods' command. Their homely fare dispatched, the hungry band invade their trenchers next, and soon devour to mend the scanty meal their cakes of flour. Ascanius thus observed, and smiling said, See, we devour the plates on which we fed. The speech had omen, that the Trojan race should find repose in this the time and place. Aeneas took the word, and thus replies, confessing fate with wonder in his eyes. All hail, O earth! All hail, my household gods! Behold the destined place of your abodes, For thus Anchises prophesied of old, And this our fatal place of rest foretold. When, on a foreign shore, instead of meat, By famine forced, your trenchers shall you eat. Then ease your weary Trojans will attend, 
and the long labors of your voyage end. Remember, on that happy coast to build, and with a trench enclose the fruitful field. This was that famine, this the fatal place which ends the wandering of our exiled race. Then on tomorrow's dawn your care employ to search the land and where the cities lie and what the men but give this day to joy. Now pour to Jove, and after Jove is blessed, call great Anchises to the genial feast, crown high the goblets with a cheerful draught, enjoy the present hour, adjourn the future thought. Thus having said, the hero bound his brows, with leafy branches then performed his vows, adoring first the genius of the place, then earth, the mother of the heavenly race. The nymphs and native godheads yet unknown in night, and all the stars that gild her sable throne. The ancient Cybele, and Idean Jove, and last his sire below, and mother queen above. Then heaven's high monarch thundered thrice aloud, and thrice he shook aloft a golden cloud. Soon through the joyful camp a rumor flew, the time was come their city to renew. Then every brow with cheerful green is crowned, the feasts are doubled, and the bowls go round. When next the rosy morn disclosed the day, the scouts to several parts divide their way, to learn the natives' names, their towns explore, the coasts and trendings of the crooked shore. Here Tiber flows, and here Numicus stands. Here warlike Latins hold the happy lands. The pious chief, who sought by peaceful ways to found his empire, and his town to raise, a hundred youths from all his train selects, and to the Latian court their course directs. The spacious palace where their prince resides, and all their heads with wreaths of olive hides, they go commissioned to require peace, and carry presents to procure access. Thus, while they speed their pace, the prince designs his new elected seat, and draws the lines. The Trojans round the place a rampire cast, and palisades about the trenches placed. Meantime the train, proceeding on their way, from the far the town and lofty towers survey, at length approach the walls. Without the gate they see the boys and Latian youth debate, the martial prizes on the dusty plain. Some drive the cars, and some the coursers rein, some bend the stubborn bow for victory, and some with darts their active sinews try. A posting messenger, dispatched from hence, of this fair troop advised their aged prince that foreign men of mighty stature came, uncouth their habit, and unknown their name. The king ordains their entrance, and ascends his regal seat, surrounded by his friends. A palace built by Picus, vast and proud, supported by a hundred pillars stood, and round encompassed with a rising wood. Pile o'erlooked the town and drew the sight, surprised at once with reverence and delight. There kings received the marks of sovereign power, 
In state the monarchs marched. The lictors bore their awful axes and the rods before. Here the tribunal stood, the house of prayer, and here the sacred senators repair. All at large tables, in long order set, a ram their offering, and a ram their meat. Above the portal, carved in cedar wood, placed in their ranks, their godlike grandsires stood. Old Saturn, with his crooked scythe on high, and Idolus, that led the colony, and ancient Janus with his double face and bunch of keys, the porter of the place. There good Sabinus, planter of the vines, on a short pruning hook his head reclines, and studiously surveys his generous wines. Then warlike kings, who for their country fought, and honorable wounds from battle brought. Around the posts hung helmets, darts, and spears, and captive chariots, axes, shields, and bars, and broken beaks of ships, the trophies of their wars. Above the rest, as chief of all the band, was Picus placed, a buckler in his hand. His other waved a long divining wand, Girt in his gaben gown the hero sate, Yet could not with his art avoid his fate. For Circe long had loved the youth in vain, Till love refused, converted to disdain. Then mixing powerful herbs with magic art, She changed his form, who could not change his heart. Constrained him in a bird, and made him fly With party-colored plumes a chattering pie. In this high temple, on a chair of state, the seat of audience, old Latinus sate, and gave admission to the Trojan train, and thus with pleasing accents he began, Tell me, ye Trojans, for that name you own, nor is your course upon our coasts unknown. Say what you seek, and whither were you bound? Were you by stress of weather cast aground? Such dangers as on seas are often seen, And oft befall to miserable men. Or come, your shipping in our ports to lay, Spent and disabled in so long a way. Say what you want, the Latians you shall find, Not forced to goodness, but by will inclined. For since the time of Saturn's holy reign, His hospitable customs we retain. I call to mind, but time the tale has worn, the Urunki told that Dardanus, though born on Latian plains, yet sought the Phrygian shore, and Samothracia, Samos called before. From Tuscan Coritum he claimed his birth, but after, when exempt from mortal earth, from thence ascended to his kindred skies, a god, and as a god augments their sacrifice. He said, Ileonius made this reply, O king of Faunus' royal family, Nor wintry winds to Latium forced our way, Nor did the stars our wandering course betray. Willing we sought your shores, And hither bound the port so long desired At length 
we found. From our sweet homes and ancient realms expelled, Great is the greatest that the sun beheld. The god began our line who rules above. And as our race our king descends from Jove, And hither are we come by his command To crave admission in your happy land. How dire a tempest from Mycenae poured Our plains, our temples, and our town devoured! What was the waste of war? What fierce alarms shook Asia's crown with European arms? Even such have heard, if such there be, Whose earth is bounded by the frozen sea, And such as, born beneath the burning sky And sultry sun, betwixt the tropics lie. From that dire deluge, through the watery waste, such length of years, such various perils past at last escaped, to Latium we repair, to beg what you without your want may spare, the common water and the common air, sheds which ourselves will build, and mean abodes fit to receive and serve our banished gods, nor our admission shall your realm disgrace, nor length of time our gratitude efface. Besides, what endless honor you shall gain to save and shelter Troy's unhappy train! Now by my sovereign and his fate I swear, renowned for faith in peace, for force in war. Oft our alliance other lands desired, and what we seek of you, of us required. Despite not then that in our hands we bear these holy boughs, sue with words of prayer. Fate and the gods by their supreme command have doomed our ships to seek the Latian land. To these abodes our fleet Apollo sends. Here Dardanus was born and hither tends where Tuscan Tiber rolls with rapid force, and where Numicus opes his holy source. Besides, our prince presents, with his request, some small remains of what his sire possessed, this golden charger snatched from burning Troy, and Chyses did in sacrifice employ. This royal robe and this tiara wore old Priam, and this golden scepter bore in full assemblies and in solemn games. These purple vests were weaved by Dardan dames. Thus while he spoke, Latinus rolled around his eyes and fixed a while upon the ground. Intent he seemed, and anxious in his breast, not by the scepter moved or kingly vest, but pondering future things of wondrous weight. Succession, empire, and his daughter's fate on these he mused within his thoughtful mind, and then revolved what Faunus had divined. This was the foreign prince, by fate decreed, to share his scepter and Lavinia's bed. This was the race that sure portents foreshew to sway the world in land and sea subdue. At length he raised his cheerful head and spoke. The powers, said he, the powers we both invoke to you, and yours, and mine, propitious be, and firm our purpose with their augury. 
have what you ask. Your presence I receive. Land, where and when you please, with ample leave. Partake and use my kingdom as your own. All shall be yours while I command the crown. And if my wished alliance please your king, tell him he should not send the peace, but bring. Then let him not a friend's embraces fear. The peace is made when I behold him here. Besides this answer, tell my royal guest, I add to his commands my own request. One only daughter heirs my crown and state, Whom not our oracles, nor heaven, nor fate, Nor frequent prodigies permit to join With any native of the Ausonian line. A foreign son-in-law shall come from far, Such is our doom, a chief renowned in war, Whose race shall bear aloft the Latian name, And through the conquered world diffuse our fame. Himself to be the man the fates require, I firmly judge, and what I judge, desire. He said, and then on each bestowed a steed. Three hundred horses, in high stables fed, Stood ready, shining all, and smoothly dressed. Of these he chose the fairest and the best, To mount the Trojan troop. At his command the steeds caparisoned with purple stand, with golden trappings glorious to behold, and champ betwixt their teeth the foaming gold. Then to his absent guest the king decreed a pair of coursers, born of heavenly breed, who from their nostrils breathed ethereal fire, whom Circe stole from her celestial sire, by substituting mares produced on earth, whose wombs conceived a more than mortal birth. These draw the chariot, which Latinus sends, and the rich present to the prince commends. Sublime on stately steeds the Trojans born, to their expecting lord with peace return. But jealous Juno from Pachinus' height, as she from Argus took her airy flight, beheld with envious eyes this hateful sight. She saw the Trojan and his joyful train descend upon the shore, Desert the main, design a town, and with unhoped success the ambassadors return with promised peace. Then, pierced with pain, she shook her haughty head, sighed from her inward soul, and thus she said, O oh, hated offspring of my Phrygian foes, O oh, fates of Troy, which Juno's fates oppose, could they not fall unpitied on the plain? but slain revive and taken scape again, when execrable Troy in ashes lay, through fires and swords and seas they forced their way. Then vanquished Juno must in vain contend, her rage disarmed, her empire at an end. Breathless and tired, is all my fury spent? Or does my glutted spleen at length relent? As if twere little from their town to chase, I through the seas pursued their exiled race, Engaged the heavens, opposed the stormy main, But billows roared and tempests raged in vain. What have my Scyllas and my Surtes done, When these they overpass, and those they shun? On Tiber's shores they land, secure of fate, Triumphant 
or the storms in Juno's hate. Mars could in mutual blood the centaurs bathe, and Jove himself gave way to Cynthia's wrath, who sent the tusky boar to Calydon. What great offence had either people done? But I, consort of the thunderer, have waged a long and unsuccessful war, with various arts and arms in vain have toiled, and by a mortal man at length am foiled. If native power prevail not, shall I doubt to seek for needful succor from without? If Jove and heaven my just desires deny, hell shall the power of heaven and Jove supply. Grant that the fates have firmed by their decree the Trojan race to reign in Italy. At least I can defer the nuptial day, and with protracted wars the peace delay with blood the dear alliance shall be bought and both the people near destruction brought so shall the son-in-law and father join with ruin war and waste of either line o oh, fatal maid thy marriage is endowed with phrygian latian and rutulian blood bellona leads thee to thy lover's hand another queen brings forth another brand to burn with foreign fires another land. A second Paris, differing but in name, shall fire his country with a second flame. Thus, having said, she sinks beneath the ground with furious haste and shoots the Stygian sound to rouse Alecto from the infernal seat of her dire sisters and their dark retreat. This fury fit for her intent she chose, one who delights in wars and human woes. Even Pluto hates his own misshapen race. Her sister furies fly her hideous face. So frightful are the forms the monster takes, so fierce the hissings of her speckled snakes. Her Juno finds, and thus inflames her spite. O oh, virgin daughter of eternal night, give me this once thy labor to sustain my right and execute my just disdain. Let not the Trojans, with a feigned pretense of proffered peace, delude the Latian prince. Expel from Italy that odious name, and let not Juno suffer in her fame. Tis thine to ruin realms, or turn a state betwixt the dearest friends to raise debate, and kindle kindred blood to mutual hate. Thy hand o'er towns the funeral torch displays, and forms a thousand ills ten thousand ways. Now shake out thy fruitful breast the seeds of envy, discord, and of cruel deeds. Confound the peace established, and prepare their souls to hatred, and their hands to war. Smeared as she was with black Gorgonian blood, the fury sprang above the Stygian flood, and on her wicker wings sublime through night, she to the Latian palace took her flight. There sought the queen's apartment, stood before the peaceful threshold, and besieged the door. Restless Amata lay, her swelling breast fired with disdain for Turnus dispossessed, and the new nuptials of the Trojan guest. From her black bloody locks the fury shakes her darling plague, 
the favorite of her snakes. With her full force she threw the poisonous dart and fixed it deep within Amata's heart, that thus envenomed she might kindle rage and sacrifice to strife her house-husband's age. Unseen, unfelt, the fiery serpent skims betwixt her linen and her naked limbs, his baleful breath inspiring as he glides, now like a chain around her neck he rides, now like a fillet to her head repairs, and with his circling volumes folds her hairs. At first the silent venom slid with ease, and seized her cooler senses by degrees. Then, ere the infected mass was fired too far, in plaintive accents she began the war. And thus bespoke her husband, Shall, she said, a wandering prince enjoy Lavinia's bed? If nature plead not in a parent's heart, pity my tears, and pity her desert. I know, my dearest lord, the time will come. You in vain reverse your cruel doom. The faithless pirate soon will set to sea and bear the royal virgin far away. A guest like him, a Trojan guest before, in shoe of friendship, sought the Spartan shore in ravished Helen from her husband bore. Think on a king's inviolable word, and think on Turnus, her once plighted lord. To this false foreigner you give your throne, and wrong a friend, a kinsman, and a son. Resume your ancient care, and if the god your sire and you resolve on foreign blood, know all are foreign, in a larger sense, not born your subjects, or derived from hence. Then, if the line of Turnus you retrace, he springs from Inachus of Argive race. But when she saw her reasons idly spent, and could not move him from his fixed intent, she flew to rage, for now the snake possessed her vital parts, and poisoned all her breast. She raves, she runs with a distracted pace, and fills with horrid howls the public place. And as young striplings whip the top for sport, on the smooth pavement of an empty court, the wooden engine flies and whirls about, admired with clamors of the beardless rout, they lash aloud, each other they provoke, and lend their little souls at every stroke. Thus fares the queen, and thus her fury blows amidst the crowd, and kindles as she goes. Nor yet content she strains her malice more, and adds new ills to those contrived before. She flies the town, and mixing with a throng of madding matrons, bears the bride along, wandering through the woods and wilds and devious ways, and with these arts the Trojan match delays. She feigned the rites of Bacchus, cried aloud, and to the buxom god the virgin vowed, Evoi, O Bacchus, thus began the song, and Evoi, answered all the female throng, O virgin, worthy thee alone, she cried, O worthy thee alone, the crew replied.
For thee she feeds her hair, she leads thy dance, And with thy winding ivy wreathes her lance, Like fury sees the rest, the progress known, All seek the mountains and forsake the town, All clad in skins of beasts the javelin bear, Give to the wanton winds their flowing hair, And shrieks and shoutings rend the suffering air, the queen herself, inspired with rage divine, Shook high above her head a flaming pine, Then rolled her haggard eyes around the throng, And sung on in Turnus' name the nuptial song, E, O ye Latian dames, if any here Hold your unhappy queen Amata dear, If there be here, she said, who dare maintain my right, Nor think the name of mother vain unbearable, Bind your fillets, loose your flowing hair in orgies, and nocturnal rites prepare. End of Book Seven, Part One. Recording by Alan Brown, Houston, Texas.